You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, and so I tried to keep myself away from the timeline today. So I'm assuming everybody's happy that your team is only nine and four now, fought the reigning MVP to the final seconds. Uh, pro- I guess pro- probably not. But your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns, and I'm all thrown off, and probably because of Monday Night Football, and I think I've just established this. Um, I actually was going through the ads, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I totally screwed up. I did all the ads wrong last night. Nah, no, I didn't. It's just that Monday's episode was the pregame show as opposed to the postgame show. So, naturally, a little bit off here today. We're going to get to some good stuff here, though, with John Costco, and we'll get to that in one minute. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they are gone, they are gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It is a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. For me and Mr. Costco, we're out of the market there, guys. Um, Anybody else, however, looking maybe a great idea for you to be ready for on on January 18th. Like I said, uh, PFF senior analyst John Costco along for the ride. Um, John, before we even get into anything, that was just a hell of a football game. I mean, just an absolute great football game. Back and forth, what was it, 22 points in the final two minutes. It was just a really, really good football game. Yeah, um, that, that reminded me a lot of the um, the game a couple years ago when, on Monday night, Rams – Chiefs where basically you're talking about that was like the game of the year where I think it ended up being 51-48 or something like that um, basically kind of showing the world the you know Mahomes Mahomes is obviously having a great year that year and, and kind of showed the world on in prime time what he could what he could do uh, but then also the Rams kind of showed that they were a legit Super Bowl contender and they, they went to the Super Bowl that year um, and so that, it kind of felt like that type of game where it's like you had a, two offenses just, just duking it out, and especially in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, basically, right after, as soon as Baker threw that interception, they went into supernova mode and uh, started going off. And it, yeah, it was obviously a really fun game. Frustrating to from a Browns defensive perspective watching what was going on, but then you're you're also excited for from a Browns offensive perspective that um, that what what has happened over the past six games um, is not was not just because of bad defenses it's this team is actually now clicking on on all cylinders on offense um but they still could even there's still room for improvement after the fact so um yeah great great stuff really and uh i mean you couldn't have asked for a better product i guess from from an nfl perspective for that one 
Um, now you keep in mind, uh, you know, you didn't have Austin Hooper yesterday, but for the most part, the offensive line was intact and now updated to where the Cleveland Browns possess the top left card, the tap right card and the top right tackle in the NFL, all on one NFL line. Um, pretty impressive from there. Um, but yeah, offensively, you know, look, it, it, they did what they did, but you can't get away from Mr. Mayfield, number six. Uh, I know the grade wasn't there um, to where he'd been grading at recently. It wasn't terrible. Um, I did see this little lovely nugget, uh, Mr. Costco, about, um, and this is something you're always going to be curious about with your quarterback is whether or not they can close things out in the fourth quarter. The number one quarterback in the fourth quarter in overtime in the NFL currently resides where, John? He resides in, in Cleveland, Ohio, and that is in Baker Mayfield. And, um, yeah, so you actually you so he's been when in crunch time when you need him to play well, he's been he's been playing well. Um, and a lot of that has obviously to do with the past six games, but even the whole you know you're talking about the whole season. But um, yeah, I mean Baker's grade was uh, not as super high as you'd want it to be, but I think from a when you when you drop back fifty three times in your efficiency was good, but not great. Um, you need to be hitting a lot of throws. There were some throws in there. A lot of those like miscommunication on some of those goal balls where he was putting, it seemed like he was putting it in a good spot, right? Receivers running in the wrong, wrong spot. He had some drops in there. Um, he had, you know, one of the things too, is that's really kind of holding back his grade. That interception, that was, an, that was a costly interception. So you know, you, you take away that you're talking about an 80s type grade or whatever. Um, so, and he had basically one bad throw in the, in the game, essentially. And, um, you know, you, you look at his fourth, his fourth quarter grade in the, in the upper 80s. Um, so, I mean, all around, I mean, as a solid performance, especially against a good defense uh, and a defense that he's traditionally kind of style of defense that he's traditionally struggled against. I know that he has what three or four, 300 plus yard games against the Ravens, but they, I mean, you talk about early in the season, he, he really struggled um, last year in the second, the second game, they did not play well. Uh, so it's not as if like he, he put turns out these, these monster games against them. And I think this one was more of a, more of a complete game from him. And it really showed from a, a maturity standpoint, no, like they, that was like the first time in a long time they'd really face adversity and he responded in an absolute right way that you'd want from your franchise quarterback. So regardless of it, not, you know, being a 71 grade or whatever, and um, you know, not having a win, like the way that he was able to bounce back and, and put that team on his back to get him to make the comeback and actually then put him in the lead. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked much more than you want from your, your franchise quarterback. No, and, and this is look, and for those who were you know upset that it wasn't a win, I get it. Um, but if you cannot see the growth of this team within a three month time frame, which all of this is on, and look, and again with oh you know, and I tried to tell everybody, let's not poke ahead in Pittsburgh. Um, let's just be happy where you're at. Um, look, playoffs is a Super Bowl enough. So once we get that one, then maybe we'll go chase the real one um, in time. Um, but, John, you know, obviously people trying to point the finger in the defense, point the defense at Cody Parkey. But <clears throat> when the Browns have played really well this year, they have graded really well. This wasn't so much the case yesterday for the offense with their highest player, if I recall correctly, Wyatt Teller, and I believe it was like 676 and change. So, you know, if you want to point the finger, you better be equal with it. Everybody could have played a little better, and it could have turned out to be the ultimate swing in the outcome of that ballgame. 
Right. I mean, you, you, if the offense, I mean, you, it's hard to say that the offense played bad and you put up 42 points, but and they, they didn't, but it was not one of their best performances in terms of execution wise, you know, staying on their blocks. You look at the run game. It's not like the run game was super efficient yesterday. Um, yes, there was a bunch of touchdowns scored, but it's not, I mean, does anybody recall like, you know, specific Nick Chubb runs where he was breaking it out? No, the Ravens did a really good job of, of containing that running game and they forced, you know, Baker Mayfield to, to throw the ball. Um, you know, the, the offensive line, they weren't as sharp as they, you know, had shown all year long. Um, it was, it was with a, not allowing a sack. Right, exactly. And I think, I think you, you saw in, in instances like there's that, uh, Baker, you know, Baker was getting, was getting pressured a little bit more than you'd, you'd want from in that game. Um, but he was able to manage it pretty decently well. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, when you go up against in a slugfest like that, there's a lot more opportunities to have those downgrades. Um, granted, there's also more opportunities to have those positive type uh, outputs. But, um, you know, you have to give kudos to the uh, – you know, give kudos to the Ravens. They, they had a good – they have a really good team. And, and it's you're not going to grade out an elite level, um, you know, against the good teams. And they were still able to make it done – you know, you know, make it work. You have to give credit to the coaching staff for – calling up the right plays Baker Mayfield, you know, part of it is he was finding a lot of guys underneath, you know, something that you don't, some, some part of his game that had been missing probably the first two years is finding the open guys underneath in the rhythm of the offense. And he was doing that a lot yesterday. So if you're, you're taking a five yard hitch and getting it 10 yards, I mean, you, you expect a quarterback to be able to hit those five yard hitches. So you're not going to get the, the, the higher grades for the quarterback in those types of throws, even if, even though that's a positive play for the offense in general, that's just a, you know, you kind of almost expect your offense to be able to hit, hit those types of plays. So um, yeah, I mean like grade wise, not the, the cleanest game from the, from the team. So I think that shows that this team can be better. Uh, no doubt. And here's the other thing, um, you know, you know, obviously, you know, valuable resource in PFF, but also when you get to these games and these interdivision games and they're teams that are both good, um, you get to the point where these guys know each other inside and out. Granted, schemes change, offenses change, um, but, you know, you play somebody twice a year, you watch X amount of film on them that you're going to watch, you know, and it could be, you know, as opposed to somebody you might see once every four seasons, um, you may say to yourself, you want to know what, I'm just going to go with this because I know I got a shot with this. Um, otherwise, Wyatt Taylor is going to send me up to the cheap seats, play in, play out. I got to do what I got to do to try and you know get an advantage here somehow, some way. And for everybody, and please, I'm going to tap the microphone. Listen up. What you take out of last night, you want the Browns to see. You want, Hopefully, you're reeling off two wins here. There's going to be a playoff game. You're going to play in January. You know what you take away from last night? You played a playoff game. It was an atmosphere. It was a style. Neither team was going to concede. They played till the final whistle, and they continued to go after it and after it. And that's what you got from your quarterback. That's what you got from your offense. We'll get to the defense here. And, look, guys, I understand. But if you've listened to any of this over the last few weeks, especially with John, you knew eventually maybe a day like this was coming. They were you know, basically <laughs> leaking water everywhere, and eventually the bucket was going to break. But if you want to take anything away, when this Browns team hopefully goes and should go play in a playoff game on the road here in a couple of weeks, 
they just got that type of test. Because again, now week 17 again could turn out to be pointless. So that second matchup with the Steelers, we're not really sure how it's going to be. You needed this test. And I am sure these players took something away from it. I am sure Coach Stefanski and his coaching staff took something away from it. We're going to flip it up. We'll go to the defensive side of the ball. We'll just do some thoughts in general. And it's it's crazy that we are literally looking at three weeks left in the regular season of the NFL season. Um, again, you know, even with COVID, and I say it every year, guys, nothing goes faster than the NFL season. What are we doing? Uh, the new built bar is even deliciouser. Um, and it now comes in six brand new flavors caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Uh, bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are great for the health conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar. High protein, high fiber. They are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile for your Cherry Barcia is 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carb. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN, all caps, no space, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The defensive side of the ball, John, uh, not good. Um, good in like some areas, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of throws. And uh, they, they got the best of athletic Lamar Jackson. And it's actually kind of funny because the Ravens, for all the success they had last year, you know, going 14 and two, here they are, you know, I guess probably two full years calendar to date of Lamar Jackson's career. They are literally going back to what they started with, with Lamar Jackson. Last year, it was more advanced. It was more opened up, uh, you know, passing the pill around. This year, you try to go more wide receiver focused. It's not been working. That's kind of been scrapped to just, uh, we're either handing it off, giving the ball to number eight. If somebody's wide open, that's great. Otherwise, eight, just go and do your thing. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of, I mean, you talk about, they weren't able to pass the ball unless, unless it broke down on the back end and in the pass rush lane. So you look at, you know, the, really the only big plays that they had in the passing game were the Mark Andrews first down right before the end of the half. And then the, um, you know, Marquise Brown touchdown at the end of the game, both of those were, were off of Lamar. You know, get the pass rushing lanes getting you know broken down, and then Lamar finding the lane and getting out of there, and then then throwing it deep and and having a coverage breakdown as well. Um, and then you obviously had the one big run that he had is you know that went for I think at the beginning of the first the second half. Other than that, like the, I, the Browns defense generally didn't you know was is more like just kind of giving up chunk yards in a run game. Um, you know, five and six yards of pop or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I think you have to be able to tackle these guys and you have to stay disciplined in the back end. And they just weren't, they weren't able to do it. You have to be able to do that for a full 60 minutes. And that's what this game is about, especially when you're playing, you know, you're playing a team like, uh, you know, the Ravens where, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, Lamar's going to get these types of yards on the ground, 
but you have to have this pass rush discipline that they didn't, they just don't have, and they have not shown that they've had ever when playing against him. Um, so something needs to change there where it's just like a change in philosophy. When you essentially play Lamar Jackson, it's like, all right, we don't care about the quarterback sack. We need to can keep him in the pocket and make him beat you with his arm. Because when he was kept in the pocket, his grade was a 63. Um, he, he was not effective at all. He was missing open receivers and whatnot. So yeah, th- this offense uh, for the Ravens in it's to me, it was not a sustainable product of what they showed last night. Like it was, they, they scored a bunch of points, but that did not seem like a, a product that where you're thinking, yeah, this, this can, this can hang, you know, with the Kansas city chiefs, or this can hang with, you know, the best offenses in the league week in, week out. It can't because, because they were, it was all based off of busts by the defense that the Browns had out there. And part of it's because you don't, you don't have Brian Harrison, you don't have Denzel Ward, you this, you know, guys got area injured on the back end. So, um, I mean, yeah, this defense, the defense need to be able to tackle and they weren't able to tackle one of the worst, obviously one of the worst performances of the year by the defense as a whole. And when you're injured on the back end like that, it's, it's tough. It's really tough on the defense. Um, yeah. I mean, cause if you seriously want to look at things right now, conceivably, you know, this team is playing without their starting secondary with Denzel out with Ronnie Harrison out, Grant Elbit, uh, Greedy Williams. Uh, that's literally what we're talking about here. Um, and for everybody, and it seems Joe Woods is getting a, a whooping today. Guys, look, you want him to build a house, and you're giving him a hammer and a freaking screwdriver. The guy needs, I mean, you look at what this offense got this year. Brand new tackles to go along with a great interior offensive line. Uh, we kept the two great running backs together. Uh, you know, you brought in not one tight end, you brought in two tight ends. So many things were done for the offense, and yes, it's looking pretty good. Not as much was done for the defense. And you have to understand, you, you, you want to match up coordinator, scheme, types of players. And that's just not what Joe Woods has got going on right now. And, you know, everybody, oh, so they always heard, da, da, da. oh, that's great. Because like, you all wanted to see red wine. And how did you feel about Shelter red wine? Um, I don't want to see any of these safeties. I'll be completely honest with you. I would take Ronnie Harrison right now as far as healthy guys and door number one, door number two, and door number three. And it may just evolute the process for Tedrick Thompson next week um but john you gotta put in any thoughts there as well but sioni takitaki this has actually been one of the nicest surprises i think this year um they needed some sort of physical presence you know from a linebacker and it just seems week after week and look there's a little drop high or low or whatever but sioni takitaki is looking to be a sustainable presence within that linebacking yeah, I think um, his move from basically uh, like in a starting role to more of a uh, situational role has has been really good for him. So first four weeks of the season, he was he was in a starting role. He was one of the worst line, uh, graded linebackers in the NFL, um, and you know obviously on the team. You know, basically week five on, his grade is an eighty three point six. His run defensive grade is an eighty nine point nine, um, and then he's so he's been, he's been excellent. Um, and that's, they've, they found a role that is good for Taki Taki so that they can just continue to roll with it. Now, obviously you want the rest of the linebacker group to, to him to figure out, Hey, what does this guy do well and, and continue to do that? Um, unfortunately it just hasn't been the case for, for any of those other guys, but right. Like Taki Taki guy, I liked really, really like coming out of college. Maybe they, they finally found a, a solid role for this guy. 
Um, he's an explosive athlete that can get around the field and he can be um, near the ball at all times. Um, you know, and, and last night he didn't, he didn't miss a tackle, which is obviously great news. So, um, you know, in terms of the, the like what Joe, for Joe Woods and, you know, to go on your point about that, it takes time to build a defense. It doesn't just turn around in a day. Offense, you can like, it's like improvement at the quarterback position will make the entire offense better in an instant. Whereas at defense, it takes all 11 guys to make a good defensive unit. And the system that Joe Woods is, has out there, I think is a really solid system. I, he, he switches up coverages pretty solidly. Um, you know, I think, I think he does game plan for the offenses pretty well. It's just, you have to have the talent out there. Like you it's talent trumps everything when it comes to, you know, defense in the NFL um, you know, when you're down your entire starting secondary and you have, you know, you're pretty weak at linebacker and your interior defense alignment are not great. There's not really much you can do about that. And I think that, I think that, you know, the front office understood it's like, all right, the, the easiest way to get, to get us good right away is to improve this offense and to build around Baker on the offense. We can still add pieces on that defense and, you know, with, with all the injuries, with COVID, things happen, and it's just it is what it is. This is gonna this defense is gonna get a massive influx of, of talent next year. And we've already talked about it with the secondary, um, and you you're gonna add a couple, you have two pieces in free agency, and you add you know a couple pieces in, in the draft, and and, you know, Andrew have a, and Andrew Billings exactly. You have a revamped defense. It's boom, just like that. This and it's a second year in the system that you should see it. You know, a bottom five, bottom third of the uh, league defense to middle of the pack, and that is enough to to keep you in that contention for that Super Bowl when it comes playoff time. Especially with the way this offense is currently performing, um, exactly. And, with, and look, looking like most of it on paper, you know, it could be a tweak here, tweak there, but uh, most of it will be returning. Um, so imagine what that offense will look like here too. But go ahead. Yeah, I, I expect them to to probably. Uh, draft a receiver. Um, to, yeah, to to because well, they're they're going to have four top one hundred picks last year. You're going to go probably secondary, linebacker, defensive line, and wide receiver. Right now, that's probably going to be those four selections. Probably, and I think I think the biggest impact you can make on a team like immediately is uh, after you've already have your quarterback is to find another legit wide receiver. I think look at Minnesota. They they were able to find Justin Jefferson in the draft and he's been phenomenal for them. And yes, he's literally come in. He's become Stefan Diggs and he like, he just walked in the door like, yeah, all right, I'll take that dude's job. I'll I'll do it. Don't worry about it. Right. Like you're you're thinking. And so then you look at Buffalo, look at the difference between Buffalo. They add this this Stefan Diggs and he's more productive in in Buffalo now. And how much is better? I really thought, I I really thought because honestly, but this is credit to Josh Allen because I really thought by week four, Stefan Diggs was going to toss his helmet into the third row and be like, what the hell? And, you know, the old line of, you know, this freaking guy. But, you know, credit to everybody up there. I traded I traded him in the offseason in my fantasy league. I wish I wouldn't have traded him. I don't blame you, though. I don't blame you, though. The matchup was terrible. The matchup was, was terrible. But, but you have to credit give, to Josh Allen. Exactly. Give credit to Josh Allen for, for improving, you know, this year. And you have to credit the Bills team and, you know, the staff and, that, and whatnot. But, right, like – I think I think for you know find a receiver in this draft that will fit this offense and how you what you can do with it. I think you know you add like a Kadarius Tony, 
Rashad Bateman. Um, you know, I think both those types of guys would work. You know, Bateman's a bigger, uh, really good runner, great down the field. Tony is like a Percy Harvin reincarnate type player. You know, those both those guys can work in this type of offense, and I think you know you you can find that that talent. I think um, that would you know just bring that another element to the this offense, and you know, complement it. Tony's interesting because there's this element of this offense in the jet sweeps that they really haven't been get, able to get to. Um, and Jarvis runs the ball well, but he just doesn't have you, the just overall physical speed to really make it work. Um, plus, he was you know dinged up for a while. Um, you bring in a guy like Tony, though, it's you know where you get out there and you're looking at everybody, and then you're like, oh well, crap, he's on the field. Which did, automatically did you watch draw attention. Uh, yeah. Did. yeah. That was that was fun. <laughs> he's special. He, he's he, he's got it. And for me to back a Gator, uh, he's just, he's got a suddenness. He's I know we're I know we're well 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 early about draft talk, but he's got a suddenness about him that is um, elite. That's that's I mean top five type suddenness moves quickness that you. Well, want let's put it this a, way: wherever he went to grammar school in tag, he was never it ever. It was never ever it never. <laughs> Exactly. We're gonna continue so I, here I with John. Him. I love him. Oh yeah, don't. No, he's he's a nice little he's a nice little option. Um, we're gonna get to a little bit more here uh, with John Costco as we continue to take you through. And again, your Wednesday episode of Lockdown Browns. I told you guys all messed up here with Monday Night Football. Um, and we'll see how it goes next week. With actually, next week should be all right with another primetime game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit here about the Giants. Uh, just get some overall thoughts of John here as we're you know heading turning the corner, you know, round the third, headed for home on the 2020 NFL regular season for your Cleveland Browns. I've been trying to be conscious about this and a lot of small businesses out there and everybody is fighting for theirs. Um, a lot of great folks are putting out apparel. I've uh, been trying to sneak uh, a couple of people in here that, you know, I know and respect just trying to help them out here, do the best thing here. Zabel Apparel, you guys know, I would talk about him all the time. Uh, Brian's a great guy. Uh, he was there last night, freezing his stones off at the game, but loving every minute of it. Uh, Zabo Apparel, a uh, veteran-owned company. Uh, Brian has two children actively serving, uh, whether it's the store in Vermilion, Zabo Apparel, whether it is ZaboApparel.com, whether Instagram, uh, Twitter, Zabo Apparel. You're looking for something quick before Christmas, and Brian will get it to you by then. Trust me, you order by usually by a Monday, you get it by a Friday. You want to put an order in now for your favorite Browns fan. Uh, Brian will have them ready for you to put under the tree on December 25th. ZaboApparel.com. Trust me on this one, guys. John, now they, there had been talk, you know, all oh, the Giants, they're getting a little tougher. And now, they, you know, they're in first place. And then Daniel Jones came back. And I watched this game Sunday at 1 o'clock. I actually was able to catch about a 45-minute nap in between. And it's nice to have a Sunday where you don't really have any work tied to it. John, this is not a good football team. They're not a good football team. Their defense plays well, but even the one thing I was grasping while watching this is if they have a hard time handling Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake in the running game, hello, here comes Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. For me, early this looks like a boat racing where both running backs could clip 100 yards because and the Giants where they're in a really, really tough position is they're going to be drafting 10th. And I don't think they're any closer to knowing whether or not, you know, I'll tell you, he's not. If you need to know, get him and call me 
We're not far away. We'll meet up. Well, you know, you can buy me an omelet. We'll have some coffee. Daniel Jones ain't it. So this is a um, – you don't want this to be a trap game, um, just like it was for the Seahawks two weeks ago. I mean, not as – Seahawks ruined my survivor pool um, because of this, this them losing. But well, – 13 weeks. That's pretty impressive. I know. I mean, I had it. I had it mapped out so well. I still had Kansas City left. I still had the Ravens left. Oh, I still had the, I had the Browns. So I was gonna. I was. I had it made, and the Seahawks just blew it, man. I, I had the Saints still left. I mean, come on. I was cruising, but anyways. John's <laughs> giving up a lot of his personal stuff here tonight, which is nice. I, I had the Browns plus three last night. You know, safety doing that. Um, oh Jesus. So, but this team, so the, the, I'm, you just don't want this team to, you don't want them to, to sneak up on you, right? Because they have, that that defense can cause fits. So they're a defense that really doesn't have a lot of talent, but they do things just to confuse a quarterback. So they're always, they're never giving you some look. You know, if you're thinking it's cover one pre-snap, it's going to be something different post-snap. And it's pretty much, you know, so they're disguising everything pretty much every single play on that defense. It do run a cover, a lot of cover two, um, which limits the big play capabilities that you can have. Um, but I mean, all in all, I mean, you know, James Bradbury is having a really great year for, for himself as well, but all in all, this, this team is not that good. You know, you look at the offensive line, it's not a great offensive line. Um, They're they rotating one. offensive linemen, John. I have never seen this before. They are literally rotating offensive linemen. Just figure it out. I mean, look, play who's best. But I mean, it's tough. It, it's it, tough it, to it, play who's best when you're when you're not very good. So, uh, you know, you know, you know, Will Will Hernandez has has not been you know good, and whenever he has to play, Andrew Thomas. Was, about, yeah. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Thomas is a guy that I did not like coming out of the draft. I know he was, and a lot of people liked him because of where he came from, and he was, you know, he great. Even at PFF, there's he was our number one guy on, uh, you know, offensive tackle. I didn't like him personally. He was a waist bender. Um, he had really bad hand usage, um, which and he lunged a lot, and he was benefited by that system and stuff like that. He's struggled mightily. Um, you know, so far coming into the NFL at that left tackle position, he's had one good game, which was against the Seahawks, but the Seahawks don't have any pass rushers. They don't have a defensive line. So now he's going to go up against Miles Garrett every play. He's going to get absolutely wrecked. Um, he gave up. Well, even two... Olivier Vernon right now, who's hot as hell. So good luck. Either way, either way, it's not going to be good for you. Right. It, he gave up two sacks and five hurries against the Arizona Cardinals. So like Chandler Jones, you know, just war, you know, you know, got got his money's worth there. No, it uh, wasn't even him. It was um the Temple kid. Oh, Hassan uh, Reddick. That's right. Oh, my oh God. that's Hassan right. He he, he uh, Reddick, five Lawrence sacks. And, yes, yes he, he resurrected like his Lawrence. entire career. Four, uh, three strip strip sacks too. So, um, yes. I had five yeah. sacks coming into that game Sunday and has left there. I think I think he had like a ninety six some grade or whatever. I mean, he was phenomenal. So I'm expecting that from you know the Browns' defensive line against this offensive line. Um, and if they can do that, and you get set, you get you know a little bit healthier in the secondary with with Denzel Ward coming back. I mean, it, this offense will 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 struggle. They have some talent. Like Sterling Shepard's a solid receiver. Um, Darius Slayton's a solid. 
Slayton's Slayton, their one, and they run them a lot underneath stuff. Like, I couldn't – I was waiting for one ball to at least go 10 yards in the air, and it just didn't. And to ask a young quarterback who's got issues holding on to the ball to say, hey, can you put together a 12-yard drive because that's the way we're play, we're play calling this, you're just yeah. putting the child – you're putting him in a really, really bad spot. Yeah, it's – I mean – you have a you have a really bad offensive line. Um, they tried to fix it in this offseason, but I mean, you, you you failed, right? So you failed at doing that. Now now Daniel Jones running around with his you know for his life back there, rather than being able to to have clean pockets consistently. So uh, you know, it's is Daniel Jones a good quarterback? I mean, probably not, not a franchise type guy, but how do you really know when he's kept clean, he's got a pass. He's got a passing grade of 91.1 this year. So it's not, as like, if he's, the problem is that he's not being kept clean enough. So, you know, his passing grade, you know, his passing grade is under pressure is a 40. I mean, I think he has talent. Clearly he has talent. I think, there's something right he's got an athleticism so you can you can work with that but you have to put an offensive line around him just like you do with any quarterback but especially a, a young guy like him um and who knows if how much time he has left or whatever but this you know they they they're not a this is a game the browns should handily win they're it, it's not a game they should lose but no, at the same be, time this should be a boat racing there should be nothing right. like this should be like the first half of tennessee but for 60 minutes Right, and you you want to not let, and I think this is one thing. If you're talking about a different staff that the Browns have had in, in years past, you would probably think about this being a letdown game that they might lose. You know, you talk about back in 2007 where they lost to the Arizona Cardinals in Week 14, Week four, yeah, I think it was Week 14, which kind of like ended this, you know, their potential of getting into the playoffs. Um, that was a letdown game where you're expecting, all right, the Browns should win it. They're like, like not, you know. This, this will get them to have this high-powered offense. And then they came in there and, you know, lost 20, 28-20 or something, or 27-20 or something like that. Um, this staff, I think, is going to have this team ready. Um, you know, you, you don't – you come out there firing on the cylinders, I think Kevin Stefanski is going to have them ready to go, and they should be able to handle business. John, through three, 13 weeks now, whether it's film, whether it's grade <laughs> – who has probably surprised you the most on the Cleveland Browns in the 2020 NFL season? Surprised me the most, probably Baker Mayfield. So um, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, maybe you'd see that up. <laughs> so, well, so the thing about it, right? So, I mean, I, this is a guy I absolutely love coming out of college. We all know that as a rookie, he kind of like confirmed my, my priors, but then last year it was a disaster of a year for everybody involved. And, him, the thing, him especially. The thing last year with me is it almost looked like it felt like he kind of lost what everybody kind of liked about him. Smaller, cocky SOB. Like it seemed like he had lost that a little bit last year along with his play. And that's when you get to the real concerns of, you know, well, can we get back to this guy? And I think we saw that last night. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen it over the past since basically since OBJ got hurt. And I don't know if it's an OBJ thing or it's just he – it, it just started clicking for him again. I, I, I you know, is correlation causation? I, I don't know, but causation, correlation, whatever, you know, but it's, who knows if, if what it, what it is, but the, the fact is that he's been his third highest graded quarterback over the past seven weeks or eight, eight weeks, um, which 
I did not see that coming after, especially after the first six games of the season where he was the third lowest graded quarterback in the NFL. So you go from the third worst of the first six weeks of the season. I'm thinking, all right, this is maybe this is not salvageable because that's, that's bad play. And then ever since then, he's, he's been excellent essentially for every, all these games, even in the bad weather's games where, you know, the, the Raiders game, there's a bunch of drops. It really wasn't his fault in terms of that loss. Um, bad weather in Houston, you know, against Houston, bad weather against Eagles. And he was able to, to fight through it with solid games. Jacksonville. I know that there was like some maddening incompletions where it was wide open guys that, you know, he could have, you know, I, I, my son could have hit him, but um, you know, I think, I think what we see now, is that he has become that franchise quarterback for this for the Cleveland Browns? I think he solidified that. I think there's still a lot of questions, you know, up as up as of three weeks ago, and I think these past three games have really kind of solidified that he he is that guy, and he still even has room to for improvement, even though he's graded as the third highest graded quarterback in, over the past you know seven games. So um, that's my biggest surprise. I, I did not see it coming. I'd say this quickly and, you know, in this type of off season that you have and, and just the fact that like, especially after the start of the season too. Well, I think maybe if we learned anything, maybe we should have learned to, you know, listen when the head coach speaks and when the offense coordinator speaks and say, I think we're really getting there. I think this is really, really getting there. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, here we all are. Maybe, maybe they knew know a thing or two. I don't know. Uh, well, when you say you went to Penn, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because I know I'm out of your intelligence level. So I'll crack my jokes and I'll offer to grab you a beer. But yeah, that's usually about the time I uh, exit stage left, so to speak. Great talk here with John. Obviously, we got to everything from last night. Um, yes, the end result was disappointing, but plenty of things that you're going to take away from that. And, you know, look, if you feel any different about this team when they were nine and three, uh, about them being nine and four after last night's performance. That's, I think that's more on you than it is on this team. Um, they fought for 60 minutes. Yeah, they fell short. Guess what? They don't have enough pieces on defense. Guess what we've been talking about for weeks. Joe Woods is doing a really good job, even though he's not got enough pieces on defense. Guys, these are all things we already knew. So nothing got changed last night. Yes, the benefit of an easier schedule this year. Sure. Fantastic. Um, next year, they're going to have to step it up a little bit of a notch, just in case you're all wondering. AFC West next year and NFC North next year. So yeah, gonna have to step it up a little bit next year as far as what you're gonna do to add <clears throat> certainly to this defense. Uh, John Costco, senior analyst from uh, PFF at John Costco three. The show itself at Lockdown Browns always follow back account. DMs are open, uh, guys. The amount of traffic the last couple of days been fantastic. I know everybody was anticipating this game. Um, and let's not pull this thing that everybody does where they ignore Lockdown Browns for a few days because they're sad and sorry about a loss. We're here every day, five days a week. Continue to come on back. The bar is open, always. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, go ahead, follow me over there. Uh, I have no problem, guys. Hit me in the DMs. Somebody, I, I understand as more and more you get to social media, you're not too big on going on the timeline. And you people are the smart ones. You got a question? Whatever, send it through a DM. I'll do my best to take care of it and answer to you. We'll have crossover Thursday tomorrow. We're going to sit down the one with the wonderful Pat- uh, Patricia Trina from Lockdown Giants, um, and we'll get the ball rolling there. Uh, Mark Sessler will be in later in the week. Uh, Pete and I will get you a pregame show as, you know, once again, the Browns head to primetime Sunday night here in New Jersey. 
not New York, uh, as the Browns will face the New York Giants. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.